You're listening to the Go Global, Go Big podcast, powered by Globig. We cover topics designed to accelerate your global expansion. You're listening to the Go Global, Go Big podcast, powered by Globig. We cover topics designed to accelerate your global business. Hello, I'm your host, Anka Corbin, the founder and CEO of Globig. And today's topic is global payments and currency risk management. I'm so excited about this podcast and our guest today because currency fluctuations and global payments are a really big pain point for our members. And we have a fantastic guest today, Laura McLaughlin, the sales director for AFEX, a global payment and risk management solutions company. Welcome, Laura, and thank you so very much for joining us. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and AFEX. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Laura McLaughlin, I'm the US Sales Director, as you just mentioned, with my very British accent here, but I have been in the US for 15 years now. Joined AFEX uh, three years ago. My background has is, is, is always been in global payments, so I started off in the UK. Uh, I then went and set up an office in Spain and then Portugal for a previous company before moving to Florida. 10 years ago to do a US launch of a, a, a similar type of company. So all my background has been in, in global payments and joined AFEX three years ago, really because of their appetite for, for, for growing out in, in the US and across the Americas and expanding out their Americas region. We are a US company, but our main regions, interestingly enough, have always been out of EMEA and APAC. So I was brought on board to, to really look at the growth within our, our Americas region and, and, and really look at what U.S. companies and our U.S. clients needed in terms of the, the global payment. So it's been an exciting three years and I'm headquartered out of our headquarters in Los Angeles and uh, yeah, it's been a, it's been a fantastic three years. Apex have actually been in business since 1979. As I said, we're a U.S. based company, and and really we focus exactly on what you said, which is 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 helping companies with their global payments. Mm, that's wonderful. You know, it's surprising because companies when they're expanding abroad, they are often really surprised that their home banks are just not set up to help them. Right? It's just um, this really really complicated. Um, situation. So tell me some ways that companies such as AFEX really kind of are a great alternative. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, doing business domestically, so doing business in, in, in the US, I mean, not that it's a simple thing, but companies are used to doing business in the US because they deal within the banking system, they deal with the US dollar, they understand the banking infrastructure and the payment infrastructure. But when they're looking to go global and when they're looking to expand outside of the U.S., it's really an unknown territory. Everyone knows that, you know, going into new markets is great for business. But how do they actually handle those risks or, or, or the difficulties that come with that expansion? And that's where companies like AFEX come in. It's, it's really to help companies who want to expand outside of the U.S., with their payments and, and and there's a number of different things that, that that companies have to take into consideration the first thing obviously is 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 the fact that they're typically not going to be dealing in the us dollar anymore so what are the implications of actually dealing in different currencies and obviously currency risk and managing that currency risk is 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 a big part of that 
But then it's also, okay, if I'm not dealing in US dollars and I'm dealing in different currencies, what are the, 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 the payment channels and what type of payments can I send into different countries? What are the best ways of sending that? In addition, what are the compliance? What are the, is the compliance issues that will face me when I'm sending payments into different, current, into different countries? So the main things that, that, that companies need to be aware of is one, the currency risk and, and, and what implications that will have on their business. Two is, 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 is the compliance framework around, around sending international payments and, and, and also just, just the banking infrastructure. How is that different in different countries and how can, 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 we, can companies be able to put uh, their payment plan in place based on different jurisdictions dependent on where they're looking to, to expand? So doing business itself is complicated, but then trying to expand out into different countries, into different areas is also adds a, a whole new layer which companies such as Apex can come in and truly help navigate that, that space for companies. Mm, that's wonderful. Let's, let's talk a little bit about currency fluctuations and what can a company do? Like, how does exactly does that work? Because obviously the currencies are still going to go up and down based on markets and all sorts of other factors. But how do you manage that risk? Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 and that's the main risk. That's the big impact that, 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 that companies face. But it can also be a benefit. It really can. So managing that risk is all about understanding the, the fluctuations that can occur for your business and understanding how you can mitigate against that risk, but also also take advantage of the movements as well. It's it, I call it the ice cream and umbrella industry. I mean, it, it really is up and down. It's it's it can either be in your favor or against it. But it actually, if 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 you manage that, then then you can protect yourself, but also take advantage. So the first thing to do is actually be aware of the risks that, 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 and be aware of the currency fluctuations. So let's take the euro, the US dollar to euro, you know, since December. Everyone knows that, that, that currencies fluctuate, but how much are they going to fluctuate? And, and, and being aware of that is, is really going to help with budgeting, with, with forecasting and everything that's involved and setting prices, obviously, which is, which is important. So just since December, the euro, we've had some massive movements in, in the last quarter. The, the euro has moved 8% since December, starting off at 1.05, moving to 1.145 against, against the US dollar. Sterling, another major currency pair with the US dollar. So the pound has moved 9%. The Canadian dollar, we've had some huge movements in the Canadian dollar over, you know, since December to, to, to the beginning of April, it's moved 12%. We've seen a move in the Canadian dollar of 12%. So you think about that from a company's perspective. So just simply by working and doing business in Canada, they can have a movement either side on their, on their profit or their loss of 12% by not managing that risk. So what we could do or, or what companies like, like Apex do is and what companies should expect from their payment partner is for someone to come in and say, okay, tell me about your exposure over the next uh, quarter, the next six months, the next 12 months. What volumes are you looking to do with the different currencies, euro, sterling, Canadian dollar, whatever it may be? Tell us about that exposure. And we'll look at that exposure and say, okay, you know, over the last 
three months, we've seen 12% movement. With what's happening with that particular economy, although it's, you know, we've not got a crystal ball, we can we can look at predicting what potential movements can be and helping protect against the risk. And there's a number of ways to do that. The most simplest way is, is something called a forward contract. So that's where companies will look at where the rate is now and make a decision based on where they believe it's going to be as if they want to secure the, the second currency now with a delivery date in the future. And the forward products are very, very flexible. So, for instance, you can secure a rate today for up to 12 months in advance, and then you can actually you can secure a big amount and you can draw that down on that amount throughout the year. For instance, if someone's got a million dollar exposure in Canadian dollar, they can book out a million dollar forward. But if they need to take delivery of 250,000 of that after the first quarter, then they can do that and draw down. So it's a very flexible product that will enable companies to actually secure a rate today for future delivery of that currency based on if that currency is in their favor now or the perceivement of what that will do in the future. So the forward contract is a very good way of doing that. Now, of course, if the rate isn't in the company's favor, for instance, if it's weak against the US dollar or whatever it may be, and they don't want to secure a rate now, then the other way of, of, of protecting risk is putting orders in the market. So it's saying, okay, today we know the rate is here. We would like for, you know, for our pricing and for our profit model, we want a 2% improvement. What companies should be able to do is put an order in the markets for when the, the, the currency actually moves to that level, there'll be an automatic buy of that currency so that they can protect themselves against that level. And that works both ways, both in an upward movement or a downward movement. So there's lots of different things that we can do in terms of a risk ma management strategy in order to look at one, the exposure that a company has, two, where the rates are today, and three, where the rates are moving in the future to put a strategy in place to hedge against those currency fluctuations. Now, there are also more sophisticated products that we can, can, can put in place, and these are known, known as options products. And, and what these are, it's really a lot of the simple options products are a variation on the forward. Uh, the forward contract and what it really is is a way to again secure rates but also to participate in the market and what this means is if companies uh, are wanting to hedge against the currency risk but also take advantage of currency movements then options products are, are really good in order to do that it's really a participation in the market while protecting against their exposure as well so you basically have uh, there's all different structures of options products that you can do. It really is very, very flexible in terms of how much you want to participate or protect against risk. But ultimately, it's about securing rate with different limits in where you can pull out should rates hit where you can either protect against the risk or take advantage of the movements. So really, the, it, it, it really is. It, it's not as simple as companies saying, OK, I've got exposure. I want to go international. I'm going to have to take the risk on the currency and, and, and just eat, let that profit be taken into the business or let that loss be taken into the business. We, there's so many different products and options out there in order for companies to really mitigate or take advantage of that risk. It's just a case of having the right person sitting in front of that company to explain what they, those are and put the right strategy in place for that particular company.
Yeah, it seems like a lot of companies don't even know that these opportunities exist. And is there a certain size of an order where it really is um, important, if you will, to do this? Or are they, are you flexible in, in, in how much money is being uh, mitigated, if you will? Or can smaller companies participate? Or is it really for mid-sized companies? No, actually, I mean, it's a great question. Most companies, you know, we, we deal with our client bases is, is from very small owner operated startups to obviously very large corporate corporations with millions, if not billions of currency risk. And it's interesting that, that the smaller companies that we work with, they oh, we don't do enough volume through you. We're, we're only small. Uh, we just want to do spot payments, which is basically just an immediate payment where they can just if they've got an invoice or they've got someone that they need to pay in a different country, they'll they'll just book a payment today. And, and, and like I say, they'll take that currency risk because they don't feel it's worthwhile either for them or for us in order to start talking about about risk mitigation and managing that currency risk. But really anyone, anyone who has an exposure, any company who has an exposure, we can help. We can help. Of course, the more complex the business and the more exposure a business has, the more products that we can put on the table to help mitigate that risk. But really small companies with a, with a small risk, you know, they may only be doing 10, 20, 30,000 in payments. A forward contract, a rate order can be really beneficial to them in order to, to, to help protect their profit. And also smaller companies, actually, those 10 percent movements in, in, in the currency can, can have a significant impact on their bottom line, given the size of their company, the margins they're working to, the pricing they're working to. So we can have a, an impact on companies of all levels. And again, we work with small to large organizations. We work with startups who are just getting into the international global space. And then we work with, with, with global companies who, who have been in the global space for, for, for a very long time. We can add value and, 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 and companies can add value at, at, at all levels. It's again, it's a case of not going in with an off the shelf product to say, OK, you're doing international current transfers. You need to do foreign exchange. Here's what you need to do. That's all that we're going to offer. It's really going in and saying, no, tell me about your business. Tell me what you're looking to achieve on a global basis or with the international component of your business in the next 12 months and let us help you as part of your overarching strategy to get there. So it's a great question and it it's something that we speak to our small clients about a lot that actually even with smaller payments we can we can we can make an impact in terms of 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 of, of helping you mitigate and manage this risk as a small business. Yeah, it seems like the entire profit margin is at risk for a lot of these companies with, you know, these these unknowns and it's almost like playing the stock market day trading if you will. Um than the ability either you're going to make it or you're going to not make it, right? And hedging yeah, against that. Abs, abs, absolutely, absolutely. It, it, it really, the currencies are moving all the time. I mean, it's the truest form of demand and supply uh, in the marketplace. And, and to 
put your global expansion and your profit margins in in the hands of that that marketplace without having an expert in order to guide you is 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 something that companies really need to consider and and, and be aware of and ensure that they're getting the service and the support that they need from the provider that they're using or if they're seeking a new provider to make sure they're truly getting that level of tell me about what you're looking to do and help let me help you put a strategy in place so we can protect against these fluctuations. Yeah, that's interesting. So I do a lot of mentoring with a lot of startups and some of the conversations that we've had have been around how surprised they are when they finally do look at the the costs of working with their local banks and how every single little transaction is taking a significant part of their profit. Tell us a little bit about how a company such as yours works and why it's a better scenario than when there are these currency exchanges. Yeah, so again, the 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 real value proposition that 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 we have over banks and 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 specialist providers have over the banks is is the fact that one they'll come in and consult to to manage that risk as I've obviously just explained and gone into detail with. But the second piece is is yeah, really really bringing it down to to what is the actual cost when we do want to do a payment. And there's typically two costs when you want to do a payment. One is is a transaction fee which is very apparent and very transparent so if i want to send a payment to to the uk what's it going to cost me and most companies think that the cost is actually the transaction fee which can be anything from zero to fifty dollars per per transaction so so that's where most people think the true cost of 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 a global payment is and there is a cost. And again, some banks and some providers, I've seen fees up in the $50, $60 range. If if people are being charged that and companies are being charged that, they really need to to, to push back and 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 that is too high for a fee. Typically, a fee around $15, 10 to $15 for an, a, a next day or same day global payment is a is is a reasonable fee. We offer there are low value payments, which is is so the way payments are sent. You can either have it as a same day or next day, which is considered a quick or a high value payment, or you can have a low value payment, which is ultimately more of a domestic transfer, like our ACH system here in in the US. So if you're sending funds to Europe, for example, they use a SEPA low value payment, and those costs are they should be below five dollars for 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 global payments but they typically take around three days if you want a quick payment or a high value payment then again reasonable fee is around ten dollars but that's negotiable that's what companies should be sitting down with their providers and saying tell me what we can do this i've have a full consultation over fees so that they can set the right price again most people don't most companies don't know the cost of a transaction and they don't know that like anything it's negotiable and so that's the average that companies should be paying but again it's all negotiable depending on volume you've got a lot of volume you can typically get those fees to 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 very very low but the obvious other bigger cost which is a hidden cost and again it's it's most companies and most people are not aware of the hidden cost and that's the foreign exchange margin so that is the difference between the interbank rate, i.e. what the rate is actually trading at on the market, and what you as a company or a consumer are going to receive that rate from. And again, it's I've, I've seen 
quite high percentages on the markups on that uh, that foreign exchange margin. I mean, we've had companies where we've come in and done a full evaluation of the fee and FX margin, and companies are doing a lot of volume of paying two, three, four percent sometimes with their bank, which is 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 a very high fee, and it's a hidden cost. They don't know. They say. Well, actually, our bank's not charging us anything for sending the payments, but then we do a review of their margin, and they're actually being charged for you know two point five three percent. So there's two costs: one, the actual transaction fee, which most people look at, and two, the hidden cost, which is the margin between actually what a bank or company is buying that currency at and then selling it back to the, the to the to the client at, and that can be can be quite high. And again, that is something that that needs to be discussed and again a reasonable margin be charged a reasonable margin again it's always dependent on volume but you know two percent three percent is a, is, a, is a high margin 1.5 and below dependent on volume and dependent on frequency is 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 where companies should be starting the nego- negotiations at and with uh, Apex, for example, is that transparent? Does everyone then have a sense of where they're at, again, based on their volume, and so that they can really truly calculate all of their costs out? Is that one of the benefits? Yeah, absolutely. So again, the, 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 when, we, when we come in, it's a full consulta- consultation on risk management and also a fun, full consultation on, on, on fee and pricing. We're very transparent. We'll give everyone our full costs on our price, on our fee side, and we'll agree a margin. And again, sometimes it can be on volume. So w- sometimes it can be on frequency. So if a client's doing a, a particular volume in one currency, then they may get a, a better pricing on another currency. But one thing that we always guarantee is that they'll get a very good price and and a very competitive price on the currencies. But the other thing is, is they'll get full transparency as well, which is really important. We're all, you know, we're all in business and we're all here. We've all got a profit margin to make. We feel that if we share, you know, our costs transparently with our customers and get what they're looking to achieve, then we can then we can agree a structure, agree a pricing that works for everyone full transparency, full visibility, and then we've got a long-term customer that we can work with and, and really, truly provide that value-add to. That's interesting. So when someone, for example, has a supplier in another country or a business partner that they need to pay, and they're not an e-commerce company, right? So primarily we're talking about really everything else, but a customer-to-customer sort of, or a company-to-customer sort of a, in a internet payment. How do they, do you have to have a business entity set up? Do you, Are you able to just open up accounts for them in all different currencies? I, I guess I'm trying to understand that a little bit better. How does that, how does that work? Absolutely. Another great point, actually, because one of the things that, Aside from the, the, the obviously that what we bring to the, the currency risk and the pricing, actually one of the things that we're hearing a lot of, I mean, global business is great. We all want new markets, new customer streams, et cetera, et cetera. But it's difficult now with the compliance and the regulatory framework around the world to actually go into a new country. And, and just setting up a bank account is really difficult. It's really difficult. I mean, me, myself, it's interesting. Although I'm not a company, I'm a, a UK expat. I can't actually set up an account in the UK anymore because I've not got an address. And it's even more difficult for companies. 
So one of the things that, that we're providing, which is making that a lot easier, because it is difficult for companies to to receive or send funds in another country without having a physical presence, it is. So if you're a US company and you want to do business in Canada, Europe and the UK, for instance, how do you actually go about setting up a, a payment system within those countries without having to actually go and set up an entity in each? But what we can do is we set up the company where they're, they're, they're located. So, for instance, a U.S. company would set up with us as a U.S. company and go for all the due diligence in the U.S. But what we offer is multi-currency accounts to that customer on one platform. So therefore, for the payment side, they don't need to go into the country and set up a company in order to set up a bank account. They can receive and send currency in all different balance uh, currencies into the one the one system where they can have full access to all the balances, all the payments, all the reports. So, for instance, let's take our fintech startup in in San Francisco wanting to do business in in. Canada and, and, and the UK. We set them up in the U US. They've got a, a full access to our platform in the US. They can have a multi-currency account in Canadian dollars and in uh, GDBP sterling. And then they can have people send into that, that, that account. They can send payments out of that account and they've got full access from it in their platform in the US. And so it's it's ultimately a virtual multi-currency account. And that is actually one of one of the things that we're hearing from our customers that besides the, obviously the savings on the fee side and everything that we do there, the the ease of using us due to those multi-currency accounts is 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 adding a big benefit to them because they, they were they looked into all the ways of setting up local accounts in in the countries that they want to do business. It's very difficult using one platform with us where they've got all the different multi-accounts where they can have a full treasury platform and manage everything for the one platform is is making things incredibly easy for them. Yeah, I think that happens a lot from. Again, my experience, I hear of a lot of companies, the only reason that they are going to set up an entity and going through some very, very challenging processes to be just so that they can set up a bank account and mostly only to be able to pay and receive payment from suppliers, right? Not really because they want to completely expand and, and have an entity in that country. And it seems an unnecessary step when they're you know, different ways of doing that. Exactly, exactly. And and again, with the, the our platform has actually been built out specifically for businesses. And I know, but, you know, there's, there's platforms out there that maybe are, are more individually focused, uh, you know, but ours is more really for the, 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 the risk management and the treasury management. So from our platform, you can do full treasury management, but with those multi-currency accounts, it just takes away that 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 issue with setting it up. So it is a lot easier and it is a big issue. And, and, and it's something that we're getting a lot of feedback on in terms of how easy the platform is. How do you decide which countries to work with? Is it primarily based on where most of your companies are doing business? Or what about like a, kind of some of the... Um, kind of the developing countries and that sort of thing? Are there just these filters, if you will, or these characteristics that you look for before you open up a currency? Or 
Well, currencies uh, are split into three different categories. So you have major currencies. So the majors are really obviously the sterling, US dollar, obviously, Canadian dollar, euro. And so as 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 a global payment provider, obviously, we provide all the majors. And then there's minor currencies and then there's exotic currencies. So we do provide most of the miners. It's when you get into the exotic currencies that, you you know, you start having gaps in, in coverage because there's just so many. And again, demand doesn't necessarily dictate that we carry all of those exotic currencies. But it's, 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 it's really important when you've got a company on board who comes on board and they're doing all the miners. And, and you know, so they'll, be do, so they'll be doing some majors, but they they have a couple of currencies that are exotic that are, you know, wanting to send funds to Madagascar for instance and you know even though it's not a critical piece of their business as an overall solution it's important to them in order to offer delivery into that currency or receive that currency into the into their business and 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 so really it's it's client demand led you know as as, as a global payment company we cover all the majors and, and most of the minors and then the exotics the emerging currencies is really client led I will say that I'm actually I work a lot with uh, with some of our, our partners on a global basis. And so more and more we're being asked to provide some of these exotic currencies. And and and, and the great thing about about non-bank providers is that they tend to be a lot more flexible and quick in terms of of turning on different capabilities and say some of the big, big banks. So you'd think that banks were a little bit more more nimble and, and quicker at getting different currencies added but just due to the the bureaucracy and the you know the the the, the size of them typically adding currencies quickly is difficult whereas again another benefit of non-bank providers is that they tend to be more 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 flexible and and and, and it's easier to access the treasury department to say okay miss you know global treasurer can you go and up add Madagascar to our currency offering. So we tend to be quite quick to turn those on. Now, there's certain currencies that you just cannot offer, and that's just due to the the, the sanctions that are in place. But besides the, the, the sanctioned currencies, we always tell our customers and our clients to come to us and tell us if we don't offer something and we'll look into it. And it really is client demand-led. Hmm. What do you think the companies that you work with, what do they consider the risks of using a company such as that? Are there protections like FDIC type protections or, um, you know, I was just wondering whether you find that there are certain, like what are their fears in not using their traditional bank? Absolutely. And there are, there are. I mean, it is one of the, 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 the one of the questions that, that I assume every non-bank provider gets what how secure are you why should i use you over the bank it's a great question i mean ultimately we we live in a regulated world now so we're regulated in the set in a similar way to the banks it is slightly different so the way the regulation works in the us is that for any non-bank provider they're regulated as a money service business so they're regulated by fincen under the bank secrecy act and so it's a a federal federal regulation and the same protection of their money and security uh, is provided under that regulation exactly the same as the banks but we also have to go a step further as a money service business and we actually have to get regulated at state level as well 
So not only are we fed, fed, are we regulated by the by federal government, we're also regulated on a state basis. So in each and every state where we operate, we have to get regulated under the money transmitters code or equivalent. And and again, there is even more protection placed on 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 the clients under the the state regulation. So what I would say is is it's a good question. Uh, we are exact. We're regulated in a similar way on a federal level to banks, but we're also regulated on a state level, and and ultimately that provides exactly the same protection for customers using us over, you know, as the banks. But also we use banking networks as a as as, as a railway, as a as a payment channel. So funds are always protected because we're using the the banking infrastructure to send payments anyway. So it's it's double protection. But I will say, just to digress slightly, it, it's I always again it's it's interesting over the past ten years because when I when I first moved to the US, I mean in the UK and in our EMEA region and APAT region, companies have tended to be a little bit more global in the fact that you know they've had to look outside. So say for the UK, there are they, they, they use pound sterling. They, they're a small island. They have to go into other countries in order to do business. So they've been, you know, maybe a little bit more advanced on the currency side than, than some of our U.S. and than some of, you know, than typically in the U.S., just simply because it's been a part of their business for so long. So actually, they, they've had a, nat- a natural distrust in the banking system for a long time, simply because of this, the, the fees and the service they were getting, et cetera, et cetera. And when I came to the US, it was interesting because companies tended to have a lot more trust in the bank. The banking system was a lot more trusted than, than non-bank providers. But I think over the last 10 years, given what happened in the financial markets, companies started questioning the banks a little bit more to say, actually, am I getting what I should be from you or is there alternatives out there? So the fact that that what happened in the financial uh, world in the US started companies looking and questioning their banks for the first time, not quest- you know, questioning the security and the stability. I mean, banks can fail. And, and, and we saw that. So they started looking at that and questioning that. And when they started looking into the fees and the margins and, and, and that, it was kind of, uh, it was interesting to see for the first time companies, companies starting to question their banking providers. So I think two things has happened. One is, is companies, because of what happened, are starting to question their banks more and, and really look at, are, am I getting the best that I should be? But also the fact that even though you are a bank, you know, they can fail. And, and, and looking at non-bank providers and how they are regulated and the fact that they're equally protected uh, by non-bank providers has, has, has been a good shift, I think, in the marketplace because it's enabled companies to go to non-bank providers and see what they can get under a very similar regulatory framework. Mm-hmm. I, I think the the fact when the company goes global, that's really when they feel that first really big pain of the their bank no longer being able to really be a good partner in that process right it's it's kind of it seems like it's the catalyst to this exploration and awareness and this growth so yeah exactly so how so for example when a company is ready to talk to you you sit down with them you walk through or you know their their needs how long does it take to set up how quickly can someone get going to be able to provide payments uh 
within the different markets that they're doing business in? So again, we have an onboarding process and, and I can't reiterate enough. I mean, we're, as a non-bank provider, you know, we require probably the same information as banks do. So even as a non-bank provider, there, there is the, the, the due diligence and the KYC will not be bypassed. Uh, we have to go through the process from a, a regular, uh, from a compliance perspective. But what I will say is, so we're, when a company wants to come on board with us, we have a, a, an account application and then we require some, some information. In general terms, that falls into understanding the so knowing our business so knowing their business so understanding everything about their business in terms of the payment side and also collating information just some basic information about who they are for instance articles of incorporation uh, and really understanding the nature of the business and then the second thing we have to do is understand ownership so we do need to 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 see documentation of anyone who's got 25% ownership or above within the company but once those things, and that's pretty standard across the industry. So one, completing the the account form, two, receiving the um, the articles of incorporation or anything to confirm who the company is, and three, understanding the beneficial ownership structure, is what we have to do. Sometimes, dependent on the nature of the business, there may be some extra due diligence. But one thing I'll say, and again, this is another thing that, that companies are coming to us with, is our onboarding process, again, it's very consultative. We'll go in, we'll understand the business, we'll get the information, and then we'll work with our compa- compliance team to get that opened within within 48 hours, uh, you know, as, 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 you know as, as, a, as a service level agreement. Sometimes it's quicker. Sometimes we need more due diligence. But that's relatively unheard of in the banking world for a customer, a, a new corporate customer, a new business customer to come on board. Because, again, the, 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 there's a lot of different processes that need to be followed. So although we do need to collate all the information, we can pretty much get people open within 48 hours. Mm, that sounds uh, and get them booking their first page. Yeah, it's a very simple process. What's the best way for someone to reach out? Is it to go to your website and and contact you? What's the process? Yeah, the website. So afex.com is is a great place to start. Uh, obviously, um, emailing me or contacting me directly at my email, which I'm more than happy to share, is also a, a good way. But reaching out to us on the website, over the phone, or by email is always a great way to uh, to connect. Absolutely. Yeah. So any sort of email or um, next steps you'd like to share, please do. Yes, yeah, certainly. So, uh, I mean, the, my email is my uh, my name, L McLaughlin, which is M-C-L-O-U-G-H-L-I-N. That's L McLaughlin at afexafex.com. A generic email, if anyone wants just to email generically, is info at afex.com. And my number is 818-292-4217. That's wonderful. Laura, I want to thank you so very much for joining today. That was absolutely fabulous. So much information and so, so interesting. Uh, Thank you for being on the Go Global, Go Big podcast powered by Globig. We want you to join us next time for just another fantastic podcast on international expansion. This is Anka Corbin, hoping that you all go global and go big. 